Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidil mursalin ve khatimin nebiyyin. Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmain. Amma ba'du fa'udu billahi minasşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. İnnallaha ve melâiketehu yusallumun alel nebiyye ya eyyühellezine amenu sallu aleyhi ve sellimu teslima. Allahümme salli ala seyyidina Muhammedin el nebiyyil ümmiyyi ve ala alihi ve sellim teslima. İmam Muslim and others relate hadith from the companion Tamimun al-Dari radiyallahu anhu who says the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said ad-dinun nasiha qulna liman qala lillahi wa likitabihi wa lirasulihi wa liayimmatil muslimina wa aammatihim so Tamimun al-Dari radiyallahu anhu says the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said religion is nasiha. We said, nasiha for whom? Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied, nasiha for Allah, for his book, for his messenger, for the leaders of the Muslims and for their common folk. So the Prophet ﷺ has told us, religion is nasiha. And in some narrations of this hadith, he actually says this not just once but three times. Inna deen al nasiha, inna deen al nasiha, inna deen al nasiha, qulna liman, ya Rasulallah. He said, indeed religion is nasiha, indeed religion is nasiha, indeed religion is nasiha. So we said, O Messenger of Allah, nasiha for whom? So the Prophet said, for Allah, for his book, for his messenger, and for the leaders of the Muslims, and for their commoners. And the meaning of religion is nasiha is that this is a phrase in Arabic which means that a major part of religion is nasiha. A major component of religion is nasiha. It doesn't mean religion only means nasiha. And nasiha is the entirety of religion? No. Of course, it's a part of religion, but it's such a major part. It's such an important component. It's such a vital, integral part that the Prophet ﷺ has actually characterized the whole by its part. An example of this is in, in, from the hadith we learn 
that the Prophet said, Al-Hajj Arafah. Hajj is Arafah. So, and what does that mean? There are five main days of Hajj. The eighth of Dhul Hijjah, known as Yawm Tarwiyah. And the ninth of Dhul Hijjah, known as Yawm Arafah. And the tenth of Dhul Hijjah, the day of Eid, also mainly known as Yawm Nahr, the day of sacrifice. And then the 11th, 12th, and part of the 13th, are all, and the 13th, are all known as Ayyam al-Tashriq. So, the days of Tashriq, meaning sunning the meats. Because the Arabs, in these, after the sacrifice of the 10th, they would strip the meat of the sacrifice into strips and lay them, lay them out in the sun for drying, for long-term preservation and consumption. So they would turn it into what we know today in English as jerky or biltong. So the process of doing that was known as tashriq, meaning drying in the sun. So because they would do this, the remaining, the main two days or the third day, after the 10th would be known as Ayyam al-Tashriq, the days of Tashriq. So these are all five or six important days of Hajj, and every one of them had names. And the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah has always been known as Yawm Arafah, because that was the day of stationing in and spending time in the plain of Arafat. So the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah is known as Yawm Arafah, the day of Arafah. But Hajj is much more than just remaining stationary in the plain of Arafat, which actually happens for only part of the day, i.e. not the full 24 hours, but after travelling from Mina on the morning of the ninth, on the morning of the ninth, and normally arriving there early morning, late morning, sometimes people don't arrive till afternoon. And so they then stay there and station themselves in the plain of Arafat till the evening. So that's only one partial act of worship, one only partial component of the whole pilgrimage. It's only one of the many rites and rituals of the whole pilgrimage of Hajj. And yet the Prophet ﷺ has said, Al-Hajj Arafah, Hajj is Arafah. And what the ulama have deduced from this hadith and many other hadith is that although the whole pilgrimage of Hajj lasting so many days has many rules, rulings, components, constituents, rites and rituals, some of them optional, some of them voluntary, some of them recommended, some of them partially obligatory or uh, uh, of a light obligation, many of them sunnah, some of them of uh, a higher obligation, such as wajib, the ulama actually agree that the greatest component of hajj, the main pillar of hajj, without which there is no hajj, and the bare minimum 
of an obligatory hajj is actually stationing oneself in the plain of Arafat. This is why many people who fall ill in, during hajj, one of the part of the relief according to these people, uh, accorded to these people, who are unable to perform the other rites and rituals of Hajj because of their incapacity and their illness, is that they are actually, at least this used to happen before, they, are, they were actually transported specifically, often from the hospital to the plain of Arafat for a brief period so that they could remain stationary in the plain of Arafat and thereby fulfill the main fault the main obligation of Hajj, and then they would be returned to the hospital. So at least their Hajj is fulfilled. So this is the meaning of Al-Hajj Arafah. Hajj is Arafah. Not that the Hajj doesn't consist of anything else, but this one component of Hajj, it's so integral, it's so important and so significant and such a major component that there is no concept of Hajj without Arafah. And at times there is a possibility that only the stationing of Arafah constitutes the whole of Hajj for some people in certain circumstances. So we should understand the hadith of Adinun Nasiha in the same way. That Nasiha is so important, so integral such a major and vital component and constituent of religion that the Prophet has actually characterized the whole of religion by one of its major parts, Nasiha. So what exactly is Nasiha then? In many languages all over the world which have imported part of their vocabulary from Arabic, Nasiha has come to mean advice, counsel, advising someone, imparting counsel to them. And this is exactly what we understand from the word nasiha in the Indian subcontinent languages, in many of the languages that have imported part of their vocabulary from Arabic. But, and this is why Unfortunately, sometimes this hadith is mistranslated as Adinun Nasiha, religion is advice. That's not the translation of Adinun Nasiha. This is why, all the way till now, from the very beginning, I haven't translated the word Nasiha, I just keep on saying Adinun Nasiha, religion is Nasiha. So, what exactly is Nasiha? Advice? I'm not saying that the word advice is incorrect. That's a very partial translation. Advice, good counsel, is part of nasiha, but it's not actually the whole of nasiha, and it's not the meaning of this hadith that adinun nasiha, religion, is advice. Rather, nasiha means purity. That's what nasiha means. Purity. In fact, the ulama, one of the reasons I haven't translated nasiha is that the ulama say that this is one of those unique words in Arabic that no other word 
No other single word can actually convey the meaning incorporated in the word nasiha. There is no other word that can deliver the same meaning. So, nasiha means it's related to purity. And nasiha, the form of the word nasiha, means the distillation and the pure extraction of purity. This is the meaning of the root word, nasaha, nun, sad, ha, nusah, which means purity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Holy Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu tubu ilallahi tawbatan nasuha. That, O oh, believers, repent unto Allah a nasuh tawbah. A nasuh repentance, meaning a pure repentance, a genuine repentance, a true repentance, a sincere repentance. Pure in the sense that it's not contaminated by insincerity. It's not contaminated by deceit. It's not contaminated by a partial intention or half-heartedness. So... When will a person's repentance be sincere, thorough, and complete? When a person repents to Allah, seeks Allah's forgiveness, resolves never to repeat that sin and crime. If there is half-heartedness, then that person will return, or even harbors a secret intention of returning. So this is part of being sincere to Allah. That, O oh, believers, repent unto Allah a pure nasur, sincere, complete, genuine, true, and thorough repentance. So, this verse explains part of the meaning of nasur, meaning purity, genuineness, truthfulness. Nasur, nusr means being genuine, being sincere, being pure, wishing well, seeking the best, wanting the best, having the other person's best interests at heart. All of this is related to Nusr. And one good way of understanding it is in Surah Yusuf, the brothers of Allah cites the statement of the brothers of Yusuf who said to their father, قَالُوا يَا أَبَانَا مَا لَكَ لَا تَأْمَنَّا عَلَى يُوسُفِ وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَنَاصِحُونَ Oh, our father, قَالُوا يَا أَبَانَا They said to Ya'qub alayhi salam, Ya Abana, oh, our father, مَا لَكَ لَا تَأْمَنَّا عَلَى يُوسُفِ Why is it, what is it with you that you do not trust us with Yusuf, our younger brother? When we are sincere and true well-wishers for him. We don't mean him any harm. We don't mean him any ill. 
So why won't you trust us with him, allow us to go out with him, take him out, go out for play and exploration? So, the genuine feelings, the true feelings, the sincerity, that a sibling should have for a sibling, that's Nusr. In another verse of Surah Al-Qasas, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quotes the words of the sister of the Prophet Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam was released, hidden in a basket, released. The basket floated along the river Nile, was picked up by the family of Pharaoh. Musa alayhi salam was rescued in that way, but he refused to be breastfed by anyone because Allah had promised his mother that Allah promised the mother of Musa السلام, that we will most assuredly return him to you and make him into one of the messengers. So as part of the fulfillment of Allah's promise, miraculously Musa السلام, refused to be breastfed by anyone. Allah guided his sister there and she spoke to the royal household and she said, should I not guide you to a family, to a household who will take care of this baby and look after him? And they will be sincere and true well-wishers of, for him, of him. So that verse also explains the meaning of Nusr. That the sincerity and the genuine and true love that a family, a mother, harbours for her child. How much does a mother love the child? How, how genuine and how sincere is the mother's desire for the well-being and the best interests? of her own flesh and blood and of her own child. That feeling, that genuine desire for the welfare and the best interest and the well-being of the child is known as Nusr. This is what Nasiha means. Nasiha means the very pure extract, the most distilled, true and genuine feeling and desire of good, welfare, well-being and interest of another. And this is why the ulama say there is no single word in Arabic other than the word nasiha, which delivers and conveys all these meanings incorporated into and portrayed by the single word nasiha. This is what 
the prophets of Allah felt for their nations. Nuh Allah quotes him in the Holy Quran. What did he say to his people? أُبَلِّغُكُمْ رِسَالَاتِ رَبِّي وَأَنصَحُ لَكُمْ وَأَعْلَمُ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ I convey to you the messages of my Lord. وَأَنصَحُ لَكُمْ And I wish well for you. I seek the best for you. I have your welfare and your best interests at heart. Prophet Hud alayhi salam. He said the same. وَأَنَا لَكُمْ نَاصِحٌ أَمِينٌ That indeed I am for you a very trustworthy nasih, well-wisher. Not just advisor, that's part of it. The Prophet Salih told his people, وَنَسَحْتُ لَكُمْ وَلَكِنْ لَا تُحِبُّونَ النَّاصِحِينَ And I sought the best for you. I wished well for you. And as part of that, I advise you. وَلَكِنْ لَا تُحِبُّونَ النَّاصِحِينَ But you do not love those. You do not like those who advise you, who seek the best for you. So this was the tradition of the Prophets of Allah alayhim salam Prophet Shaib alayhi salam Allah quotes him too. وَنَصَحْتُ لَكُمْ فَكَيْفَ آسَى عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ كَافِرِينَ And I sought the best for you. So the Prophets of Allah alayhim salam the concern they felt for their nations, the, their desire for the best welfare, for the best interest, for the well-being of their respective peoples and nations, that feeling is nusr. The Prophet sallallahu felt the same. So this is the meaning of nasiha. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ad-deenun nasiha, religion is nasiha. This level of purity, of sincerity, of wanting and desiring the best, having the welfare and the best interest, At heart, all of these meanings are incorporated in the word nasiha. And this is what religion is about. Before I continue, since I mentioned the concern that the prophets of Allah had for their respective nations, and this was part of their nusr, that same word, this was part of their nasiha for their ummah. Part of the nasiha of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa for us, for this ummah, for his ummah, was, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in the Qur'an, in Surah At-Tawbah, وَمِنْهُمُ الَّذِينَ يُؤْذُونَ النَّبِيَّ وَيَقُولُونَ هُوَ أُذْن قُلْ أُذْنَ خَيْرٍ لَكُمْ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَيُؤْمِنُ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ That they, the hypocrites, Tauntingly and jeeringly, they would say of the Prophet 
So Allah says, And of the meaning of the hypocrites are those who would hurt the Prophet. How would they hurt him? By rumour-mongering and tauntingly and jeeringly, falsely saying of him, and they say of him that he is soft of ear. The meaning of soft of ear is he's gullible. I translated the word udhun meaning soft of ear. That's a literal translation. Otherwise, the meaning of udhun, the meaning of soft of ear is he's credulous, he's gullible, he's easily swayed. And who said this? This is the hypocrites. Because they would come to him and lie to him. They would make false excuses. So the Prophet would humour them. He would just accept their excuses. He wouldn't interrogate them. He wouldn't challenge them. He wouldn't press them on the matter. He'd accept whatever they would say. So they would go away thinking that was easy. He's gullible. He's credulous. He's soft of ear. He accepts anything we say to him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies the Prophet conduct. And Allah says, Say, yes, he is soft of ear. He is believing, he is trusting, but he is only trusting. He is only accepting. He is only believing for the sake of good. And that good is for you. He is not easily swayed. Despite knowing your falsehood, despite knowing that you are lying, the Prophet doesn't press the matter with you. He doesn't retaliate, he doesn't challenge you. He humors you. He accepts. He diffuses the situation. Otherwise, the Prophet ﷺ is tolerant and accepting and believing and trusting, but not of you. He only does this out of good for you and for everyone. Otherwise, when it comes to trusting and believing, he believes and he, he believes in Allah, yu'minu billah, wa yu'minu lil mu'mineen, and he trusts and believes the believers. And this soft, accepting, trusting character of his, this in itself is a mercy. He is a mercy for those of you who believe. So the Prophet ﷺ always wanted the best for everyone. And this verse is one of those that shows it. In another verse of Surah At-Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِمَا عَنِتُّمْ حَرِيسٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَؤُوفُ الرَّحِيمُ Verily has come to you, a messenger from amongst yourselves, عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِمَا عَنِتُّمْ That which you suffer bears down heavily on him. حَرِيسٌ عَلَيْكُمْ He is desirous of your welfare, of your best interests, of good for you. Bil mu'minina ra'ufur rahim 
with the believers, he is compassionate and he is most merciful. And that's the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So again, the word harisun alaykum, he is desirous and keen on your welfare, good for you. And he has your best interests at heart. In a verse of Surah Al Ahzab, Allah Azza wa Jal says, The Prophet is closer to the believers than their own souls. He and his belief and his wives are their mothers. So in a way, he is like a father to the Ummah. In a way, he is like a father to the Ummah. And so, just as a father has the best interests of his own flesh and blood at heart, he is desirous of and is keen on and seeks good and the best, not just good, but actually the best for his children. Similarly, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has the best interests, has the welfare, the well-being of his ummah at heart. And this verse shows that again. And the the prophets is closer to the believers than their own souls. In fact, what parts of the meaning of this verse is more than what our own souls can want the best for us. The Prophet ﷺ wants the best for us more than that. So in the tradition of the Prophets of Allah ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ had this nasihah for his ummah. Just as the Prophets of Allah had the same nasihah for their respective ummah, nations and peoples. So this is the meaning of nasihah. So now going back to the hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ad-deenun nasiha, religion is nasiha. Religion is to have this feeling, this passion, this desire, this want for the best, not just good, but for the best It means to be sincere, it means to be pure, it means to be true, it means to be genuine. One of the antonyms, one of the opposites of nusr is ghish in Arabic. So one of the antonyms of nusr, of this purity and of this genuineness, is ghish. And ghish means forgery, falsehood, deception. So that's another way of understanding the meaning of nasiha. Nasiha is the opposite of khadi'ah. Khadi'ah means deception. Nasiha is the opposite of deception. Being genuine, being sincere, being true, being pure, 
if you have a forged coin, a forged gold or silver coin, compare that to a pure gold sovereign. In fact, one of the, in Arabic, one of the words that Nusr is related to is honey. So when you extract pure honey, in Arabic you actually say Nusahtul Asal. That I extracted pure honey. This is absolutely pure, organic, pure, uncontaminated, unpolluted. And this isn't a new meaning, it's actually a very traditional, original usage of the word nusr, nusahtul asal. And in fact, ulama have gone on to explain that the word, uh, the later meaning of nasiha as we understand it, and the later meaning of purity is derived from the original usage of nasahtul asal, that I extracted pure honey, or I purified the honey. So, one of the ways of understanding nasiha is the opposite of khadi'ah. Khadi'ah means deception. Guile, forgery. So imagine pure honey, that's related to nusr in the original Arabic usage. Imagine a pure gold sovereign that has no pollution, no contamination, no mixture, false mixture, no forgery, no deception. That's purity. So that's another way of understanding nasiha. Genuineness, truthfulness, sincerity, purity, to be true, to be genuine. So the Prophet وسلم, said, Religion is nasiha. And in one narration, Inna deen al nasiha, inna deen al nasiha, inna deen al nasiha. Verily, religion is nasiha. Verily, religion is nasiha. Truly, religion is nasiha. Thrice he repeated it. So the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum said, O Messenger of Allah, for whom? Nasiha, for whom? This purity, this sincerity, this genuineness, this truthfulness, this total lack of deception and insincerity, who should it be for? So the Prophet wasallam said, for Allah, first of all. I.e. religion is purity and sincerity and genuineness towards Allah. This is why I said you can't, you shouldn't really translate, or I wouldn't translate, a deen al-nasiha, religion is advised, because the first meaning is, for whom? To Allah, for Allah. How can we advise Allah or impart good counsel to Allah? Rather, the meaning is sincerity and purity and all of that I have just explained. Wanting the best, being genuine, being sincere. So how do we translate nasiha into action in respect of Allah? It means being genuine towards Allah, being sincere towards Allah, being pure towards Allah. Being true to Allah. No deception. No ghish. No khida'ah. 
Remember, khadi'ah is the opposite of nasiha. And khadi'ah comes from khadi'ah. And what does Allah say of the hypocrites? Yukhadi'oon Allah. They attempt to deceive Allah. So one should not lie or be false or be insincere or be deceptive towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can a person be deceptive towards Allah? How can a person be false to Allah? It happens. Just as Allah said, as I explained earlier, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu tubu ila Allahi tawbatan nasuha O believers, repent unto Allah. A nasuh meaning a pure and sincere repentance. That means that a person can repent to Allah an insincere repentance. If Allah is telling us, repent to Allah, Allah is qualifying it. That when you repent to Allah, make sure, ensure that your tawbah is nasuh. Your tawbah is genuine. Your tawbah is sincere. Your repentance is genuine, true and sincere. That means Allah is warning us against a false, against an insincere, against an incomplete against an untrue and deceptive repentance. So how can a person be deceptive in their repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Well, if a person commits sins and then they turn to Allah in what they think is repentance and they say sorry to Allah or they say to Allah, Allah forgive me. Allah I'm sorry. Allah forgive me. But deep down, they still harbour a desire. They actually long to return to that sin. And their remorse, their contrition, their feeling of guilt, these are incomplete. Then there is a great danger that their apology and their repentance and their seeking of forgiveness are all verbal, are all just a formality. And very soon they return to their old ways. So just as we, our apology can be false to each other, to creation, our apology and our repentance can be false to Allah too. So Allah warns us, O believers, repentant to Allah, a pure, a sincere, a genuine repentance. So this is the first meaning. Nasiha is to Allah, that one should not be deceptive or false to Allah. One should be genuine in their relationship with Allah, sincere in their relationship with Allah. To obey Allah, to follow his commandments, be sincere to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the meanings of being sincere to Allah is 
to put Allah before everything. That Allah comes first. That is part of Nasiha to Allah. Allah actually uses this phrase in the Holy Quran, إِذَا نَصَحُوا لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ If they are genuine, if they are sincere to Allah and His Messenger. And if I explain the background to this verse, it will really help us understand the meaning of Nasiha for Allah. So, it's a verse of Surah At-Tawbah, and it's actually in the context of Ghazwa Tabuk the Prophet Sallallahu campaign of Tabuk. So the Prophet Sallallahu as I've explained in great detail in my commentary of the Hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari, the Hadith of Ka'b ibn Malik radiyallahu uh, please refer to that. The, in the campaign of Tabuk, in the ninth year of Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ appealed to the Muslims to join him as a matter of urgency on this expedition. The believers responded to his call. Some of the hypocrites had no intention of responding to his call and came and even before the journey, they made false excuses. Others didn't speak to him before the journey, they spoke to him after his return. Some spoke to him before. And before and after they came, but in fact this verse is about before, so some of them came and made false excuses. Prophet just accepted whatever they said. Some of them, genuine believers, they had every... So, see the hypocrites, they didn't want to join him. They didn't want to listen to him. They didn't want to respond to his call. So they came, casually lied, casually made excuses, and they left. And these were the same people as some of them, as quoted earlier, who said, So it's in the same context, actually. That's the, some of the hypocrites. There are those, i.e. the hypocrites, who hurt the prophets of Allah and who say of him, he is soft of ear. He's credulous, he's gullible, he accepts anything, he's very trusting and believing. But there were others, genuine believers, who either because of their illness, their invalidity, their lack of resources and means, they were passionate, they really wanted to go with the Messenger sallallahu but their illness prevented them, their, their invalidity incapacitated them. Their lack of wealth, means and resources meant that they were unable to join him. Some of them came to the Messenger of Allah and actually said to him, O Messenger of Allah, 
we want to join you, we lack any means and resources. Do you have any mounts, any ride that you can lend us, that you can grant us, that we can use that to accompany you on this journey? So the Prophet said to them, I have no provisions to provide for you, to give to you. So they turned away weeping. And Allah refers to them in the Holy Quran saying, وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ إِذَا مَا And nor is there any blame on, or censure on those who come to you so that you may give them a ride. وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ إِذَا مَا أَتَوْكَ لِتَحْمِلَهُمْ قُلْتَ لَا أَجِدُ مَا أَحْمِلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ I do not find anything that I can give you to ride on. So what do they do? Allah says, تَوَلَّوْا وَأَعْيُنُهُمْ تَفِيضُ مِنَ الدَّمْعَ حَزَنًا أَلَّا يَجِدُ مَا يُنْفِقُونَ They turn away whilst their eyes are shedding tears and flowing with tears out of grief and regret and sorrow that they cannot find anything that they can spend in order to join with you. Join you. So it shows how sincere and genuine they are. So prior to this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says of the same people, لَيْسَ عَلَى الضُّعَفَاءِ وَلَا عَلَى الْمَرْضَى وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يَجِدُونَ مَا يُنْفِقُونَ حَرَجٌ إِذَا نَصَحُوا لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ There is no blame. There is no censure. On those who are weak or the ill, or there is no blame on those who are unable to find what they can spend in joining you. As long as they are genuine, true and sincere to Allah and his messenger. So this is the background. Allah has used these words, As long as they are genuine, true and sincere. So what this verse shows is that nasiha for Allah is to want the best, put Allah before everything and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, have the most ardent passion and desire to follow the messenger of Allah, to obey Allah as long as one can. And when one is unable to, obstructed by other impediments, as happened here. They wanted to join him, but their weakness, their invalidity, their incapacity, their disability, their lack of means and resources prevented them. But what was the state of their hearts? They didn't just sit back and say, well, I'm sorry, I can't do it. What more can be expected of me? No. They tried everything. They came to the Messenger of Allah. They sought help from him that, O oh Messenger of Allah, can you give us anything that we can use to support ourselves in order to join you? When even the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, was unable to provide for them, they didn't just recline, they didn't just relax, they didn't just resign themselves. 
without any further thoughts or feeling and say, well, we tried our best. No, Allahu Akbar. They felt the pain. They felt the regret. They felt the sorrow. They, as grown up men, as grown warriors, they wept because they were unable to find anything to support them in joining the Messenger of Allah. So their hearts desired it with such a passion. This is why Allah says, there is no harm, unlike the hypocrites who came, made a, a sorry excuse and left. And when they left, they were grinning and smirking about it, thinking, oh, we got away with it. But the true believers were the total opposite. Despite being unable to join him, they felt that, those pangs, they felt that regret, that pain. And this is why Allah says of them, there is no blame on such people. إِذَا نَصَحُوا لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولَهِ as long as they are genuine, true, and sincere to Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah says, there is no path to blame and censure on those who do good. So what's remarkable about this verse is, Allah is saying, even though they didn't do any good, because they were unable to join Him, Allah still calls them muhsineen. They didn't join the Messenger of Allah. But Allah still calls them muhsineen, those who do good. And this is why the Prophet wasallam in a hadith related by many authors. In the campaign of Tabuk, he told the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum, you have, there are a people in Medina. There are your brothers in Medina. You do not traverse a valley you do not climb or descend, you do not walk, you do not do anything, save that they share in your reward. So they were in Medina. And in the campaign of Tabuk, the Prophet ﷺ said to the Sahaba عنهم, there is a qawm, there are a people in Medina. They are not with you, but you do not do anything. You do not walk, you do not climb, you do not descend, you do not traverse. You do not pass through even a valley, save that they share your reward with you. Why? Because Allah has also described them as, they never did anything, but There is no harm, sorry, there is no path to blame and censure on those who do good. They did nothing, but Allah calls them the, the, the doers of good. Why? Because of their nasiha, their desire, their passion, the sincerity and the genuine feelings and the truth that they harboured in their hearts. That's nasiha. So this is the meaning of إِذَا نَصَحُوا لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ As long as they are sincere, as long as they are true, they are genuine. And as long as they have that nasiha for Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, religion is nasiha, the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, nasiha for whom? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Lillah for Allah. That's a kind of nasiha a believer has for Allah. Wali Rasulih, and nasiha for his messenger. 
What kind of nasiha should we have for the Messenger of Allah? The same, sincerity, genuineness, and truthfulness. Being true, genuine, genuine and sincere to the Messenger of Allah. We have a duty. Sorry, uh, in this hadith, Prophet Sallallahu actually says, Lillahi wa likitabih, to Allah and to his book. So how can we, be since, how can we have nasiha for the book of Allah? Again, place the book of Allah before everything. Be true to the book of Allah. Be genuine to the book of Allah. Fulfill our duty to the book of Allah. We have a duty to Allah. We have a duty to his book. What is our duty to his book? There are many ways of understanding our duty, but as I've explained before, one very good way of understanding our duty to and our relationship with the Book of Allah, with the Holy Qur'an, is as Allah mentions in Surah Al-Jum'ah, and the same meaning is portrayed in three of the parts of the verses of the Holy Qur'an. Allah says in Surah Al-Jum'ah, Allah Allah says, it is he, Allah, who has sent amongst the unlettered people a messenger from themselves. What does he do? He recites to them Allah's verses. One. And he nurtures them. And number three. And he teaches them the book and wisdom. And the same three things are mentioned in three of the places of the Holy Qur'an. That the function and the duty of the Messenger of Allah was to recite the Qur'an, as Allah says in the verse, وَأُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَأَنْ أَطْلُوَ الْقُرْآنَ I have been commanded to be of the Muslims and that I recite the Qur'an. I've been instructed to recite the Qur'an. So the Messenger of Allah himself would recite the Holy Qur'an for himself and also for his Ummah. So that's the first of his duties, to recite the verses of Allah. Tilawa, recitation. So that should be our duty to the Qur'an too. Number two, Prophet ﷺ nurtured and moulded the companions and shaped their conduct and their character in light of the Holy Qur'an, which is about acting on the teachings of the Holy Qur'an. That is another duty of ours. And and he teaches them the book and wisdom that we should, we should this, is our, this is also our relationship and duty, within our duty towards the Holy Qur'an, that we learn its meaning and its wisdom. So these are the three main duties of the Prophet ﷺ outlined in these verses. And these are our duties towards the Holy Qur'an. So this is a bare minimum. There are other things too, but our duty towards the Holy Qur'an, our nasiha for the Holy Qur'an, should be what? As the Messenger ﷺ said, religion is nasiha, Nasiha for Allah, for his book. So the minimum three components of our nasiha for the book of Allah should be one tilawah, we recite the Qur'an as it should be recited. As Allah says, يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ They recite it 
to its due measure as it should be recited. So we recite the whole Qur'an as much as possible. But not just suffice with the recitation, we also understand its meaning, its import, its message. And then not suffice with just its understanding, but most importantly, we act on the teachings of the Holy Qur'an. So this is nasiha to the Book of Allah. The third nasiha Prophet ﷺ mentioned was that religion is nasiha to Allah, to his book and to his messenger. So again, what's our duty to the messenger of Allah? Just like the Holy Qur'an, there are many aspects of our responsibility and duty towards the messenger of Allah. There are many ways in which we can be true and genuine and sincere to the messenger of Allah. But one, again, one very beautiful verse that helps us to do this is a verse of Surah Al-A'raf in which Allah describes the Prophet Sallallahu and then says towards the end of this verse فَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِهِ وَعَزَّرُوهُ وَنَصَرُوهُ وَاتَّبَعُوا النُّورَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ مَعَهُ أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ That So those So after having described the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah says So those who believe in him فَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِهِ Those who believe in him وَعَزَّرُوهُ and those who support him. And who assist him. And who follow that light which was revealed with him. These are the ones who are successful. So these are four things mentioned in this verse. Belief in the Messenger of Allah, true belief. Number two, supporting the Messenger of Allah. Number three, assisting the Messenger of Allah. And number four, following that light and nur which Allah revealed with him, meaning his teachings, the Holy Quran. And then there is another, there is a fifth thing mentioned in a similar verse. In Surah Al Fatih, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna arsalna kashahidan wa mubashiran wa nadira, litu'minu billahi wa rasulih, wa tu'azziruhu wa tuwakkiruhu, wa tusabbihuhu bukratan wa asila, O Messenger of Allah, indeed we have sent you. As a witness, and as a giver of, as a bearer of glad tidings, and as a warner, why? Litu'minu billahi wa rasulih. So that, O believers, you, O oh people, you may believe in Allah and in his messenger. So the same thing, you believe in the messenger of Allah. And so that you may support him. That's already covered in that verse. There's one more thing here. And so that you may revere him, meaning the messenger of Allah. So these are five things at least that we understand from these two verses as our duty to the Messenger of Allah. Belief in the Messenger of Allah, true belief. Supporting the Messenger of Allah. Assisting the Messenger of Allah. And how can we do that after his departure from this world? By supporting his tradition, his ummah, his sunnah, and the fourth thing mentioned in the verse of Surah Al-A'raf, وَاتَّبْعُ النُّورِ الَّذِي أُنزَلَ مَعَهُ And 
who follow the light. So that's our fourth duty to him, to follow his ways, the Holy Qur'an, his teachings, which Allah has described as light. And then the fifth duty mentioned in that verse of Surah Al-Fatih is so that you revere him. This is part of our nasiha to the Messenger of Allah. Faith, support, assistance, following in obedience and reverence. Then the Prophet said, Nasiha for Allah, for his book, for his messenger, and then for the leaders of the Muslims and their common folk. And in some narrations, for the Muslims, leaders and laity alike. So we have to be sincere, not just sincere, but we have to have nasiha. Nasiha for Muslims. Nasiha for the believers. I'm only translating and explaining what's in the hadith, so I'll use the same word. That nasiha for the leaders of the Muslims and the common folk amongst the Muslims. So what's the meaning of nasiha for the leaders of the Muslims? In fact, four Muslims, leaders and laity, leaders and common people alike. Well, exactly, of course, this nasiha is going to be somewhat different to a person's nasiha to Allah, to Allah's book and to Allah's messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There are some additional aspects. But the, nasi- the word nasiha still retains its meaning, which is, distilled and extracted and purified desire and passion and want for the best for others, for the welfare of others. for the best interests of others. Being true and genuine and sincere to others. This is all part of nasiha, and we should have that for leaders and laity alike, for all Muslims, young and old, men and women, close and distant, senior and junior, So, how do we show that nasiha to to others? How should we feel that nasiha for others? Inshallah, I could explain now, but uh, it will take some time. So, inshallah, I'll defer it till the next session. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to develop this nasiha for Allah, for his book, for his messenger, 
وصلى الله وصلى الله عليه وسلم وصلى الله وسلم على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين